Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, a podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline and if I could go back in time, I would want to meet Snoopy. Joining me is the woman who thanks God every day she knew the words to enter Sandman, Andrea Cleary. That is me. Dijore means family. Dijore means family. (laughs) (laughs) Those Dijore boys, I'd, I'd really forgotten like their yeah impact like it just in, in terms of again the comedic tone right off the bat it's so good it's so good that I, opening scene like oh so good so like we're talking about Josie and the Pussycats today and talking about that even that du jour opening scene and like I, I hope most people will seek out this movie I, I imagine lots of people plugging us in will not have watched it because it was mm. such a very classic it like was really hated when it came out um, and has kind of recently regained the status of a cult classic I think because the the contemporary sense of humor has caught up with the sense of humor of the film, kind of. It's yeah. sort of, it feels like jokes that would work on Twitter or work on TikTok, you know? They're mm. very, like, neat, odd jokes. Um, but it, it was it was so despised. But at that opening sort of segment with Dujour, who are this manufactured boy band, and we're having all these scenes with them on the plane, and it's so funny, it, it really, when I watched it, I was like, oh, if the whole film had been just these boys... It would have been a hit. Mm. If it would have been like the exact same script, the exact same thing of the boys finding out that their music has um, subliminal messaging in it, all that, people would have fucking loved it. Well, that's because that's what Zoolander was. Yes, exactly. Right? That's Zoolander. Like, yeah. And I think Zoolander came out the same year. Yeah. I think yeah. maybe a bit later mm. in the year. So this is 2001, Josie and the Pussycats comes out. Comes out in April, which is a notoriously difficult month. Like studios put movies out in April if they don't if the movie doesn't have a big backing really and why is that because it's not quite the summer crowd it's yeah, not it's, quite the Christmas crowd it's not crowd. Christmas it's yeah. not summer it's right. kind of somewhere in the middle so they're they're kind of putting their more risky like mm. if, if they don't mind if the movie kind of doesn't you know get, become a big hit and like this year 2001 is the Lord of the Rings the Fellowship yeah. of the Ring it's Moulin the first Rouge. Harry Potter movie it's yeah. Moulin Rouge it's absolutely massive films and this film like the the cult status that it has now really does feel recent like there the, yes. there are women who have loved this, this film for their whole lives but in terms of critical mm. reappraisal mm. it does really feel recent and maybe it's cuz was the yeah, the anniversary would have been like last year. Yeah, yeah. And there was so. actually a bit of a sort of a um, uh, victory tour of the actors mm. sort of doing the 20 year anniversaries and stuff. But like it's been reappraised to the point now where like, so I'm in Dublin today. I'm on location. Yeah. And we're using the Tall Tale studio where uh, the podcast Juvenalia uh, with Sarah Griffin and Alan McGuire, who've both been on uh, Sentimental Garbage before, record their podcast. And they are just by pure coincidence recording a Joseph and the Pussycats episode after this one. Today. Today. Same studio. Same studio. Like if this is happening in one studio in Dublin, think how many studios right now (laughs) 
around the world are recording their episodes about Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, it's like, like we're all just ready at the same mm, time. And yeah. I think, I'm going to do the plot summary, but after that, I want to talk about why we think we're ready now. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So, Josie and the Pussycats is a 2001 movie about the Archie comics property of the same name. It follows the story of Josie, Val and Melody, a struggling girl band who are suddenly signed to a record deal with Mega Records when the manufactured boy band du jour mysteriously disappear. The girls discover that they are the centre of a major conspiracy to insert subliminal messages into music to brainwash teenagers to buy trend items. And then they sort of, they take down the massive corporation they with do. the power of friendship. And even when it, when they're doing that, when they're having these like, you know, epiphanies about like, you're not what you wear, you're who are you are inside. Mm-hmm. There's even this sort of sly wink being like, yeah, okay, we know that's a kind of a bold thing to put in a movie, but you yeah. know, it's silly, but okay, kind of thing. Yeah, like it's it's satirizing. It, it, there's so many kind of metatextual levels of satirization within this film that if you were to break it down to its component parts, you'd get dizzy. Like it's mm-hmm. satirizing, obviously, the consumer culture, it's satirizing the music industry, it's satirizing girl bands and teenagers and boy bands, but it's also satirizing films like this yes. where everything is is like wrapped up at the end even the the love interest in it is so underwritten and boring <laughs> that, and it's just Alan like M. Alan M <laughs> like I don't know what you're doing about the letter honey yeah. like didn't work for Sheila E doesn't work for you <laughs> it's brilliant but like this really just kind of nothing love interest and I know that he is a um, an Archie comics character he's a Riverdale yeah, character yeah, they all are right Yeah, they all are but like he plays basically no role yeah. in this film. Yeah. And like he's supposed to be a musician too. And there's a scene where he has a gig, an open mic in a pub. I and they, they cut away. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We don't even hear like a note of what Alan M has to say. Yeah. And what is what, what is the character's name who's always with him? The the girl. She has the I'm with the band sign. Yes. I, can't, I think her name is Alexandria. And she's played by Missy Pyle. Who yes. Who's so fucking good. So funny in this film. Oh, you slept with him. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get Mr. Movie Phone? You slept with him. You slept with him. <laughs> and she she doesn't give a shit throughout this whole film. Like she's she's um at near the beginning when they're on the jet. It's like, mm-hmm. why are you here? It's like because I'm in the comic books. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's it's so like self-aware and overt about it not taking anything seriously and it's the whole film it almost like it tries to sort of you know and this was even people who got the movie but still criticized it it Mm. got what it was trying to do but was still like nah we're like is this not kind of having your cake and eating it Mm. if you're like gonna critique this crass consumer's culture but still market barbie dolls sure (laughs) you know which i do kind of get and then even in the movie you can see the merch that they plan to release and that merch does get released that goes on to get released and (laughs) yeah yeah, there there were barbie like there were dolls Mm -hmm. well action figures really they're a band yeah Yeah, they're action figures Um, yeah they're they're performing actions and which i would fucking love to have one of those dolls or anyone wants to make my year yeah like the the little the the ears that they have at the end in in like the the end closing scene at at the stadium concert and yeah all of that but, but but i think like this film and why it was such a commercial and critical flop is that there is just this like misunderstanding between the people that were making the film and the studio Mm. that were merchandising and promoting the film Mm -hmm. there was just this like I don't know if you've ever done Jennifer's Body on on this podcast I'm planning to get it yeah well it's like they they're they're kind of sister films in that way where it was just such a misunderstanding of who the film needed to be marketed to Mm -hmm. which was 
teenage girls, but not like that, you know, not like yeah. here. here's Josie and the Pussycats, three sexy little kitties yeah. who your dad can bring you to see this film. Yeah. Like, and it, there's it was, something in for him too, wink, exactly, wink kind of thing. Like, yeah, it was, it was marketed as this like very strange, like, because it's not a film for kids, really. Mm. I watched it when I was a kid. I watched it probably around about the time it came out on video. Mm-hmm. So in Ireland in 2001, maybe like two years after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> after it actually had its release. But like, it's not for kids. There's swearing in it. There's mm-hmm. adult jokes in it. But it's there's like also, a cocaine joke in it. There's a cocaine joke. Yeah. yeah the, when she when she's um Fiona, is that her name? Yeah. Fiona, the yeah. Exec, she's pushing all this like white dust off of like her control palette. It's yeah, like it's, blink and you miss it. Yeah. Like, or yeah. the honk, honk if you like pussycats yes, sign yes, at, yes. The, at the beginning of it. But yeah, the, the misunderstanding of like who is it that we market this to? Because I, I think well, whoever was running the marketing team on this was probably underfunded. Mm-hmm. And we're just like Oh, we'll just like it's, yeah. it's it's for girls. So we'll what, what's in the movie? Oh, there's little ears. We'll put out the little ears or the little yeah. handbags or whatever it is. I don't think they watched the movie because it's so obviously satire yeah. that the the misreading of it as being like there there were um, there were reviews of it at the time that called the movie hypocritical for mm. all of the all of the product placement that was in it and it's yeah. like are you serious the product placement is the point of the movie and it's, it's also not, it's not technically product placement because they didn't pay like they didn't get any money for any they of this they didn't get any money they didn't clear it yeah like at all it's from fucking, anybody it's fucking punk rock to do that it's really like, ballsy yeah. like, and that is like some of the best visual gags like the Evian yeah. aquarium gag is one of my favourite moments in the film because like or, or the the Ray-Bans on the mm-hmm. um, on what's his name uh, Wyatt's uh, like van when he first sees them yeah he's got like Ray-Ban branding on his mm-hmm. truck and it's it's everywhere. It is. Yeah. I, I think there's something like seven, 75 company, lo- di- different companies mm-hmm. and not counting the different like variations of that company logo. So you'd have like the yeah. Motorola M yeah. or you'd have like it's spelled out or whatever. But even just having Motorola in it yeah, is so early It's everywhere. And it, but it's like, it's the creation of a real universe, you mm. know, because obviously this is like a, they, they mention Riverdale by name, obviously, because it's the world of the Archie comics. But like, um, they're not when they like I noticed this time around when they go to like the city it's they're not going to New York or LA it's just called like kind of the city it's like they've created a universe wherein when you're in your own hotel room there's product placement everywhere and that's just like when Tara Reid's character is in the shower she's washing herself with McDonald's McDonald's things and that's like it's the world it's a different world it's not Mm -hmm. supposed to be our world but one of the reasons why I feel almost like people are kind of coming round to it again and why podcast studios globally are recording a podcast (laughs) right now about it is like they have made this um this fictional satire based world that is supposed to be an emphasis of our own Mm. but that has actually become sort of the world that we do live in Mm. because if we think about now everyone sort of has this digital half-life right um and those worlds are so filled with product placement like our instagrams or twitters are are everything we look at online even when we read a news story and there's like a banner advert for Mm. for a company or whatever we have accepted that as being totally part of the norm you know even within the music industry like when you read a a pitchfork review of an album there's uh, affiliate links within it and they have to state below it yeah pitchfork earns money from affiliate links if, if you follow this link through and buy the 
you know the the LP of the new Kendrick Lamar album we're going to make a few bob out of that yeah and that yeah. like that's that's what they were kind of talking about in this film early on even before like the, yeah the web played such a role in the music industry it's or, or it's even amazing. before like Dre was doing beats do you know yeah. before it became a thing where okay it's you know musicians can't get by just selling CDs and gig tickets anymore because yes. of streaming etc um, so now they need to make things and mm. you know we just did um, a series on Indie Twee and what that meant was them making buttons and badges and tote bags and drawing handmade thingies and for bigger artists that meant creating $200 headphones that are still yeah. the best selling headphones today even yeah. though when's the last time Dr. Dre put out a song you know what I mean absolutely yeah it, it, it it's really interesting I, I find what they do with the music and industry in this film very interesting because it's like it's the same criticisms that we have of it now but it's more heightened in the movie and the movie came out in 2001 yeah like I, I really think this film was so ahead of its time in yeah. terms of how it satirizes how pop works and mm. also just the sound of the film like this was just when Blink-182 and the pop punk yes. sound was kind of coming out we'd just come out of grunge boy bands were mm. maybe like on the like starting to yes, go it was the era of like you know okay Backstreet Boys and you know uh, NSYNC had made yeah. all the money they were gonna make yes but now we were getting like the LFOs yes and the um, well, O-Town is that one of them yeah, or were they, O-Town, some, yeah. Are they they're heavier I can't remember um, but yeah it was like the it was eking out the formula was becoming hilarious kind of thing yes which is why the du jour stuff is so good du jour man <laughs> <laughs> Even the name du jour is, so, is so funny. Like, because it's completely believable that there would yeah. be a band called du jour. Yeah. And it's very, it's made very, very clear at the beginning of the film that they don't sing their own songs. Yeah. That they're all dumb as shit. Yeah. But like, even they figured out about the subliminal messages uh-huh. in their music. And then obviously, take the Chevy to the levee. Yeah. <laughs> take the Chevy to the levee. Brilliant. That like surely it, like fucking Roger Ebert or whatever or any sort of similar thinking critic yeah. at that moment and we're talking seven minutes into the film yeah. right when the Alan Cummings character Wyatt is deciding that you know he needs to kill off his boy band goes into the cockpit and says take the Chevy to the levee it's, and it's then, such a good joke it's such a good joke it's but so right, good. then you would have known like oh this film is not what I think it's going to be yeah. and it's having fun with that yeah yeah. Like, that's such a fucking smart joke it's such a smart joke and e- even when Dujour like arguing with each other like oh wh- wh- why do I have a goatee on the coke can when everyone knows in, in yeah. this era I had a soul patch yeah yeah and just the kind of the pettiness du, du jour is friendship and <laughs> it's all, all of it like they're so dumb and what's really nice about it obviously is that Josie and the Pussycats the band are smart and clever and they're mm. small town girls them being small town girls like We don't actually get to know anything about their class, except that Josie kind of works on a bad car a little bit. Yeah. She's like, oh, I told you not to drive it uphill. This car is too good for you or whatever. Yeah. But beyond that, it's like... It's, she just, yeah, just knows how to fix cars. She <laughs> kind of knows how to fix cars and she plays the guitar and she's really cool. But that's kind of all we get to understand about their backstory. Yeah. Like we don't see the, a whole lot of struggle with them or anything. Yeah, there's like, there's a montage at the beginning, which... It's so weird because you have the du jour moment, which is so fucking funny and it feels like an SNL sketch, right? Mm. And then you have this um, long credit sequence 
that's just like introducing the three characters what are their personalities what's their deal the film is very like we're not going to spend much time in this hometown so let's just give you what you need to know about who these girls are one of them is kind of a sexy tomboy and who she's in a record shop with a stack of CDs and and like then there's uh, and that's Josie and then there's Val and she's like kind of a humanitarian and she's sort of we're reading to kids at the library. Oh, I forgot about that. All actually. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then there's Maddie. Never comes up again. Never comes up again. <laughs> but she's like an activist and she's an organizer yeah. and all this. Never fucking come. Never the again. The thing is, if they remade this movie today, that would be the whole movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. With me, with there, it was Dawson's character just being like, you know. Like, just being woke. Yeah, exactly. For the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then there's Tara Reid's character, Melody, who just loves animals and is a dope. It's you know? the dopiest little thing. Like she's... She's kind of as dumb as du jour are. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And she's really sweet. Like, I love Tara Reid in this movie. It's the best she's ever been in I this movie. I think she's so funny. It's a movie that really understood her comedy. Yeah. Which is quite specific. Because mm. it is this sort of... I think every movie that she was ever in was like, this is the sexy sex spot or whatever. Yeah, because she'd just been in American Pie. Yeah, So yeah. the studio were really, really excited about it having got her for yes. this they were like okay great hit maker she's just yeah, been an American and, and Pie she's Cook super hot was a big deal as well she was in She's All That she's all that uh, Rosario Dawson I think had been doing more TV like movies serious stuff. kind of yeah. stuff uh, so she was like the actor yeah um, but but the thing with Tara Reid that like she was so misused I think because she mm. is this gorgeous sort of California blonde and she has this kind of husky voice best voice in Hollywood so even to good. this day this kind of raspy so she's hot like this is the hottest voice invented yeah guy kind of thing that she would often just be a sultry girl who mm. like you would dream of getting with and she was the guy she was something that the guys would lust after but in this she's just this sweet little person who yeah. almost doesn't know how hot she is and yeah. you kind of believe it she's like this cocker spaniel person and like it's just, she has some of the funniest lines in the movie. Just even her saying, coasters. She just loves those coasters. It's very, very, very sweet. And yeah. she's, you kind of understand why she's taken in by all of it. Because it's not, it, it's, it's not really clear like who it is that, that is manipulating her. She's just mm. kind of going along for the ride. It's mm. much more like Josie's story of yeah. manipulation. Um, because Val kind of cops on mm-hmm. because she's smart and a humanitarian and <laughs> like she she gets it so it's much more about Josie's manipulation but with Melody you're just kind of like yeah just go get your record deal yeah. girl just go be hot go on be a big hot. billboard and yeah. have a nice time and I like that you know one of the criticisms that was leveled against this film was that they were too like sexed up and mm. that they're close they dress like hooters skimpy. waitresses hooters waitresses like yeah. okay like you know yeah. they're a pop band this is what pop bands look like but it like they were their outfits are fucking sensational as well they're amazing like, but like every an, single thing they wear I want yeah yeah. And, but an, any moment in it where they're like hypersexualized, it is like in text the industry doing that to them it's yeah. not the film doing it mm. the film isn't trying to get you in by showing you Tara Reid's pubic bone yeah, yeah like which which is there it's it's like those those low rise trousers are present mm-hmm. um, because it was 2001 and this is what it was the women, style of the time it was the style of the time and it's the style of the now it would seem um, from what I'm told about TikTok that this is all coming back and yeah maybe that's something to do with the resurgence as well that the, yeah. this style of clothing is coming back as well this style of music is coming back yes. as well I was thinking that because I remember I came to this movie 
through the soundtrack first. Okay, that's um, so interesting. And the soundtrack, you know, the the pedigree of the soundtrack is actually well known. Even the people who hate this movie will still be like, okay, it had Adam Juritz, yeah. uh, Adam Schlesinger of yes. Fountains of Wayne, R.I.P. Yeah. A real one. A real one, a, you Like know? A, a, a absolute true real one. A tr- like, like really sad. That understood. He, he also so wrote the songs on, uh, some of the songs on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Like, yeah. the musical landscape is different because of Adam Schlesinger. I'm so sad he's gone. Yeah. But yeah, he wrote some of the songs and the um, someone from the Go Go's, the Go Go's, uh, and then Kay Hanley from um, Letters, to Letters to Cleo was the yeah. A- also wrote some of the songs and is Josie's singing voice. Yes, in the yes. Film. So I had a friend who had the soundtrack, um, and then we listened to it, and then I was obsessed with the soundtrack first, and then I was like, oh, and the movie was exactly my sense of humor anyway, kind mm. of thing. So I was like thirteen, and I think there's an assumption that you know. This, the writers of this movie and the director of this movie, everybody who worked on this film who wasn't in the marketing department understood that a film could both be for 14-year-old girls and be clever and funny kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And, and a real satire that they would really get and that they would recognise and they would recognise these sort of, the way that these trends are pushed on them mm. and that they would get that. And I don't think the people who marketed it or the people who reviewed it had that kind of faith in teenage girls. Absolutely. That, that is precisely it. It's that, like... There's the assumption that it's because it's so clever, clever and it's satire that it's not appropriate for young teenage girls because they're not going to get it. Yeah. I watched this when I was 13 or... Yeah. Like, I I got it. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. I totally got it. it (laughs) It's not one of those stories where it's like, oh, I watched it and I loved it and then I came back as an adult and I saw the messages. I was like, no, I saw the messages then too. Yeah. Yeah. And this was like, I I watched this two years before I watched Fight Club, which was my Mm -hmm. favourite movie as a teen mm-hmm. because I was uh, insufferable but I, I, lo- I still love I mean, that I movie love to this Club. day I yeah. love it but like Fight Club is so applauded for how it uses you know the, the, the fact that there's a Starbucks cup in every mm. shot and how it critiques and satirizes consumerism and masculinity yeah. but Josie and the Pussycats just isn't yeah. given that same kind of level of understanding or same good faith that, yeah. it, that it understood what it was doing. And if the movie was about du jour, if the movie was about like a kind of a Blink-182 yeah. male pop band, it, it absolutely would have been huge. They would have gotten I fully it. agree. Totally. And like, I think, um, I think I saw this on a, on a YouTube sort of video essay that I watched um, earlier today that I'm going to include a note to in the show notes. I can't remember what the name of it is now. But they made this comparison scene by scene comparison of in Wayne's World 2 they make the exact same joke yeah that yeah. thing of like the um, the, the, um, the Pepsi the Pepsi and the pizza it's my choice and the choice of a generation yeah and the um, what's what's those those aspirins called little yellow Pep, Pepto-Bismol or something maybe yeah yeah but it's like basically a long scene of them doing all the things yeah. and everyone, everyone gets it yeah you know? and Josie is just that stretched over the length of a movie yes but also the thing is is that like I think it's so weird because satire is supposed to be silly, right? Mm. And yet it's the thing that people seem the most intent on being serious about. Mm. Like People are so serious about what counts as satire. Mm. And I think there's an assumption that if you're going to make satire, it has to be like, you know, Doctor Strange love or something. Sure. It can't be something where you also care about the characters. And like, you, yeah. can, you can be like, this is a great satire of the music industry and commercialism. But I also care about these girls and I care about their friendship and I and care I believe about their music them. and I believe them. Yeah. yeah. Like the the three of them, they're not, you know, as as we said, they're not like the most like 
they're not the deepest characters you're going to come no, across. No, no, they're not that, not very deeply written. No, no, but but I do. I believe their friendship. I believe mm. they're friends with each other, and it's and it's all done in in this kind of like very quick way. But also, they're so touchy touchy with each other. Yeah, and whenever they're in a scene together, I just believe that they would hang out with each other. Yeah, like whenever Melody says something stupid, they don't look at her annoyed or yeah. they, they just kind of look at her and they're, they're like, so oh. fond of her like, yeah you know? which is why it's so shocking when Josie later on when she gets uh, manipulated by the song yeah. when she is so mean to Melody by saying like oh, puppies grow up and become dogs and die <laughs> of old age and it's and it's so it's actually really sad that moment it really, it's so ridiculous and so funny but it's actually it's very really sad. sad it's really really sad and then there's like she the, would wound Melody in this way yeah. and know how to wound her and then Melody goes and like seeks out some puppies and it's, it's like this big like crying montage thing and she's like looking at the puppies and is very upset and I can't remember what she does to what what does she do, do to hurt Val um, I think I think Val just kind of copped on quite early yeah she's a smart one yeah um, yeah and then obviously the TRL thing happens, which is amazing. Look, um, Daly. Which is that's which, such a bizarre scene. It is wild. It's wild. Like yeah, it's, it's. I can see what people who weren't giving this good faith or getting it being like. I don't. It felt know. improvised. It, it feels felt improvised. Like all yeah. the 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 spoken moments in it were in, improvised. But I, I do like this isn't Total Request Live. This is Total Request Dead. Like, I'm into that. I like that. It's great. But like, Carson Daly has this comedian with him. I don't know who the comedian is. Maybe he meant something in 2001. Yeah, yeah I feel like I remember his face being around. And he just keeps doing impressions. Impre- of Eddie Murphy and... Chris Rock. Chris and, Rock. And, um, and Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Yeah. And none of them are good. Which is funny, Which I is guess. part of it. Yeah, I I don't yeah. know why he's there. I feel like someone who was a grown-up in 2001 is going to phone in and be like, you know, he, this is who that he was. He is the reason why like, <laughs> SNL is what it is today or something. We don't know, I'm we sorry. We don't know, we weren't there. <laughs> we care about the women in this film. Uh, but, I mean, Wyatt. Wyatt, Alan Cumming. <sighs> he's really hot in this film. I don't Do remember Do you really? Him. Yeah, I think he's really I hot. I think you need to go over to the other podcast. No, I think, <laughs> I Sarah think he's Griffin really is. hot. Yes. <laughs> Probably fucking frottaging the seat to Alan Cumming right I now. I think he's... Well, see, I fancy funny men who are able to take the piss out of themselves. Mm. And it, for me, I'm like, this is a hot role for you. Oh, Alan. I totally think Alan Cumming has been hot to me in, yeah. in previous iterations. In, but not in, in this role. Not in this role. Okay, fair. That's okay. Um, Tell me, talk Parker me through Posey. it. Uh, well, so it's not his character. Uh-huh. It's that he, that he did this film and believed in the project. It's that, isn't it? Yeah, and that because he's doing the um, he's doing the Richard E. Grant role in Spice World, right? Yes, it, which, which is hot. Ti- yes, t- hot. I mean, Richard yeah. E. Grant is like fucking. Oh my mm. god. Yeah. <laughs> I think I feel about <laughs> Richard E. Grant the way you and Sarah feel about Alan Cumming, mm. just sort of men who. Like straight men who are man enough to be camp. Yes. Is that's the horniest thing to me. Precisely it. Yeah. That's exactly it. Like that he... That and I'm he not trusted... talking about Harry Styles. No. No, 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 no. 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 Completely different thing. Different thing. Yeah. I can't, I don't, I don't, I can't think of other examples, actually. There are loads. Um, it's like a sort of a willingness to be sort of fey and like... Yeah. Just... And just be a bit silly and be amongst the women and have the women be the joke. Yeah. But you're just yeah. kind of along for the ride because you believe 
in yeah. the project and the and the cast and the music. All of that to me is really hot. Yeah, and he's completely present. Like he's giving his best. He's oh, he's, his, br- yeah. he's so funny. This is not something that he did because he money or whatever. No. You can tell he thinks it's funny. And him and Parker Posey are so good together. They're such a good duo. I think I, I think I read um that they came as a duo. That they got one of them first. Oh wow. I think it was they got Alan Cumming first. And then Parker Posey was like, okay, if Alan's doing all that. I can so see them being friends. Yeah. Oh, I love Which I that. think is really sweet. Because yeah. I think they'd worked together before. Um, yeah. And the, the the writers and directors of this film made a, a film before as well that I haven't seen. But apparently was like very well loved. I can't oh, remember what it was called. Okay. Um, but then they wrote Josie and the Pussycats and it bombed. And they said that they would never um, write or direct another film. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> me. Yeah. Wow. It's so, it's. It's I bet it's not because so it bombed. Sad. I bet it's because the months leading up to that bombing, they probably knew, and they were yeah. prob- they were probably like, you know, in on fucking conference calls every day, being yeah. like, no, it's not this. Please, we love this. Yeah. We spent a year making it. We all had a great time making it, and we want the and best it's good. for it. And it's good, and we yeah. think it could be as big as Wayne's World or something. Yeah. But and I bet it was it wasn't the fact that it bombed. I bet it was the year leading up to the bombing. Yeah. That and breaks they, your soul. They didn't test it. They had no test screenings because the test screening they were supposed to have, there was a storm that day. (laughs) Like, and that's why it's as good as it is because it wasn't reshot, right? It wasn't testing testing badly among, you know, whatever. So I think they had smaller test screenings from, I think it was Universal Pictures um, that produced it or Mm. that distributed it. And they had smaller test screenings for like the people who needed to see it in Universal and they didn't like it. Um, So... It, it was getting a bit like, oh God, but this is coming out soon. Yeah. And then it came out. And what is the woman's name who who um, wrote and directed it? I can't I can't remember either of their names now, but she yeah. she went on like a Friday, the, the opening night. Mm-hmm. And there was like five people in like a oh, screening, no. just like her local screening or whatever. Whereas she'd been used to on films that she'd worked on before, like people sitting in the aisles. Like fucking on, hell. And she was like, oh God, no, this is it. It's over. Um, oh. And I think the studio said to them, it's it's dead on arrival. It's not, it's not going to make any money. Which is... That's so upsetting. It's so upsetting because I, I, I guess like, it's not as if there wasn't a precedent for this film to do well. Like Charlie's mm-hmm. Angels had just come out. Yeah. Um, Bring It On had come out the year before. Like, the, so kind of low-ish budget films. There's that even a Charlie's Angels to... joke in the movie, right? Yeah, exactly. When the, yeah. When the Pussycats are having their big hype moment, there's a, a thing being like, Lucy Liu, Cameron Diaz and Drew Rymore to play Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, it's exactly. Funny, like... It's really funny. So that, that was out. And I think... Um, not Save the Last Dance, uh, the other one that I always confuse it with, uh, Coyote Ugly. Oh, that yeah. came out the year before as well. So they, the they were like... The Sentimental Garbage back catalogue. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the Sentimental Garbage films came out, mm. were marketed towards women, starred women, uh, so, some of them directed by women, and low-ish budgets, but box office hits. So mm. it's kind of understandable that the, that the studio would be like, okay, we can give you this low budget, but yeah. we expect quite a lot back but just not not nailing that marketing killed it absolutely killed it and maybe America wasn't ready for it yet yeah because it's it's a really smart film but like I say we're ready for it now mm. and the the thing what I find so interesting so as I mentioned I found the soundtrack first fell in love with that um I think I actually stole it from my friend's house. And did you think that they were, that Josie, when you first heard Josie and the Pussycats, were you just like, oh, yeah. this is a band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was a real band. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, 
and 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 sort of and, and started a band with a girl in my class, like because of it and all Um but um then found seeking out the film. But the the thing about the music is and we actually had this conversation before when I got on your podcast, my yes. favorite album, to talk about Fight Like Apes. It was this genre of music that I was desperate to find but could only find in films. Mm-hmm. So um, speaking of Letters to Cleo, that song at the end of 10 Things I Hate About yes. You. Yes, Cruel to Be Kind. Cruel to Be yeah. Kind. Yes. Oh, such a good and song. And they did uh, I Want You to Want Me as well for that. Yes. I want you to, brilliant. Two brilliant songs. I'm actually, I'm going to make a playlist after this. Yeah, Of, of the Josie universe of songs do I will I will contribute to the playlist please do <laughs> I'll share the link with you um, I, but it was like yeah, you know Cruel to be kind uh, the letters to Cleo um, who was the other ones in films Empire Records Renee Zellweger doing her song yeah this sort of like girl foot stampy pop punk you got a little bit of it No Doubt and I was obsessed with totally. No Doubt that Tragic Kingdom album but that was still I still just didn't care enough about Ska to care about Fair you yeah. know yeah. Um, but the Just a Girl kind if, of moment yeah if No yeah. Doubt was if No Doubt only ever played songs that sounded like Just a Girl and Don't Speak yeah to me that would have been like best band Perfect. in the world yeah, 10 out of 10 <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. totally um, and I was always this was like a just the early early days of streaming where it took you know two days to download one song kind of thing yeah I was always always looking for this who were these bands then like going on these searches and finding they're kind of manufactured for this one film or whatever and Mm. I couldn't find it anywhere and I don't know why it was so missing probably because manufactured pop girl music like your Spice Girls and everything that came after Spice Girls was so shiny that female rock bands wouldn't want to do that, right? Yeah. Because they're reacting against that. So you got sort of heavier people like La Tigra or Hole. Yeah. I love Hole as well. I eventually yeah. did find Hole. But they were heavier, right? They weren't the sort of whirling around guitars, cool outfits, foot stamping, mm. that kind of thing. Um, but now I feel like that music is happening. Yeah, The music I'd wanted so desperately is everywhere now. Like I think Maisie Peters, particularly mm-hmm. that latest single, Kate's Brother. I'm like, that's a Josie and the Pussycat song. Yeah, yeah. Even uh, like uh, Olivia Rodrigo has a couple of like yeah. pop punk songs as well. Orla, H- Orla Gartland. Like, Orla Gartland. Yeah. Like there's, there, there is a lot of it around now. And I think it's a kind of a, a cultural correction mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the, the people who are music reviewers like myself now or like w- women who want to go back and correct and say actually this music was good mm. and we liked this but you're you're totally right like jo- Josie and the Pussycats kind of fills that gulf between mm-hmm. shiny manufactured pop which is really fun and you know earnest mm-hmm. lady guitar rock music yeah and like lady guitar rock music is different to women who are in rock bands like I want lady guitar yes, rock music yes exactly yeah which is the thing it's it's like taking the the sentimentality of pop and just putting some nice guitars to it and and, and taking the seriousness out of guitar playing exactly. and drum playing and it's like it, Tara Reid and the like melody in this film is dumb as shit and she can play the drums really really well yeah and it's like we don't need to intellectualize this music so much like yeah. just learn how to play a beat and it's fine if she can do it anyone could do it and she know? is doing it and she's doing it they learned yeah, they, they learned they, it yeah. yeah like I mean Rachel Lee Cook her guitar playing's really quite believable. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, they I are miming, obviously, mime. but like yeah, they, but, they well, did I get. Think, um, I think Tara and Rosario contribute um, backing vocals. Yeah, but Rachel's not on it because yeah. <laughs> apparently she was brought in and um, 
she was brought in to test to see if she could sing and they were like look if you can carry a tune you can be yeah. on the soundtrack and then they were like no we're gonna get someone else <laughs> you're a very talented girl but no. you're such a good actor <laughs> she is a great hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com She is. She's really, really good. But isn't this film kind of cited as being the reason why she didn't have a career? Yeah. It's so sad. It's so sad. Because she's brilliant. She's brilliant. so beautiful. I can't believe that hair. That yeah. hair is responsible for all of my poor haircuts of yeah. my entire teens. Yeah. Just going into hairdressers with pictures of her and Veronica Mars. Oh, yes. Of, I want a choppy bob that sort of sticks out and maybe I... Then I'm buying kind of gels the, and... The fructus hair gel. Yes, like, yes. I can smell it right now. <laughs> it's never working. Mm-hmm. Like that That needs... And, and doing the thing where like um, buying a straightener and like holding it to flick mm. it out. And oh, it's yeah. just a sort of crispy right angle sort of yeah. thing happening beautiful. in your head. Absolutely so beautiful hair. Beautiful hair. And that shade of red I was constantly trying to find that you with, can never do. With the do. sort of not quite like chunky highlights but there is yeah. a bit of you, you can see that it would become the chunky highlight era. Yes, yes. Like I, th- I think the looks in this film are really interesting just for how spot on they got 2001. Mm. Like have you I, I, I don't know what cause you would have had to do this but like when you get a chance look up the the red carpet for the premiere oh. of this. It's stunning. Destiny's Child were there. Oh, God. Like, who else? Like, oh, loads of people were there. What's your man from 24? Um, Keep your Sutherland? Yeah, he's there. Fuck. With his daughter. <laughs> and his daughter is wearing, like, kitty ears. Oh, and my God. It's all, like, like Tara Reid is obviously dressed, like, outrageously with her whole body just there with, like, the important God bits covered. Her. But, like... <laughs> I feel like Irish people are very connected to Tara Reid because she's very connected to Jedward. <laughs> How is she connected to Jedward? They lived with her for a while. Did they? Yeah, they're like her best, <laughs> best friends with her or something. Oh. Or so my friend Ryan tells me. That's really sweet. <laughs> yeah, Jedward are having a reappraisal in Ireland. Everyone's just like, God, we were mean to them and they're great. I'm so, I honestly, I'm waiting for someone to come on and say Jedward. Really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like walk, walk outside the door there and just say, <laughs> would anyone like to do a podcast about Jedward? You'll find somebody. Like, I mean, our, our Ireland's sort of best uh, Eurovision entry in years, I think. Yeah. Lipstick was a fucking... Banger. Absolute banger. Um, but this isn't the Jedward podcast. No, no, we was <laughs> But um, how did we get onto Jedward? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, the fashion in the film. Like, it, it's it's a funny... But because, I guess, Zoolander kind of covered fashion, and obviously mm. they did... The two films didn't, like, know what, like, what the other one was doing. 
like the fashion film is just what it is. I find it interesting that they don't wear branded clothes. Mm. Um, there's no Abercrombie and Fitch. Like yeah, the, it's all custom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the only branded stuff is like you see people wearing like sneakers, like Reebok sneakers and stuff. Mm. But everything else is like quite custom and like you you ha- you have to think that. Th- that is a decision to like maintain a bit of an allure about the women. Yeah, and yeah, like, that they're sort of over and above these things. Yeah, which is yeah. Gr- a really clever piece of styling. Yeah, and like the the bit that I just like it really took my breath away when I watched it in my hotel room last night when um she's wearing the gown they sent over for the for the big party the record company oh, party the like skin uh, the snake skin kind of thing yes it's and it's like backless a backless sort of le- leopard or snake or something with a plunging neckline and Stunning. she's uh, but she's got this sort of chain going down the back that it's so beautiful it's so hot it's so for such a scene that's been done a million times of like a, a man doing up a woman's thing yeah and th- that's like, always hot to me I like it's that. always hot but it's like particularly hot here like mm. he again very underwritten role for whoever the fuck that guy was yeah but he, but he brings it like yeah he does you know and like this sort of really well shot sort of tracing the chain down the back and yeah. she's got this like transfer tattoo yeah oh, like that looks beautiful that triggered me honestly i was like wow it, ma- it makes me really like, sexy transfer tattoos need to come back yeah i think, I think they are so. back actually in, yeah. in a big way and kind of like it had like kind of bejeweled yes on it. it was Oh, so good. I was completely taken out at that moment last night when my boyfriend turned around to me and like in that very kind of catty way, that very mean girl's way was basically like, that's the ugliest effing dress I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> no! I was like, oh, you don't get it. You, you just, don't get you it. Don't get it. This room. is it. No, you don't get it. And he fell asleep before the end of the movie and I was like, this, I've done no, I've done this wrong. You shouldn't be here. <laughs> that's the thing is that like sometimes when I do these assignments, I, I you know, Gav is involved as well mm. and like it's such a mixed bag because sometimes... Yeah. The straight man opinion they can offer some strange gems yes. from their worldview because they're so out of our universe and mm. they're coming to it so freshly and they just give me these things and I'm like yes this will go on the podcast yeah. thank you and sometimes I'm just like get out I'm like you just you don't get it you don't go get for it a run. he loved Parker Posey from start to finish whenever Parker Posey was on screen he was in stitches the Parker like, Posey okay. outfits man the neck the pieces the feather thing yeah that's, that's one of the best things I've ever seen on screen is that like feather the thing where like, she just looks like a one of those like weird lamps that you would have had in yes your room, like beside your lava lamp or the one that looks like like electricity or something and then you have Parker Posey's head yeah with this like feather monstrosity it's so beautiful like I'm not that person who like you know it's like when when something that they like doesn't get the love that they want goes like this should have gotten the Oscar or whatever I don't mm. care about what gets the Oscar for what it doesn't yeah. affect me but at least for costume design. Yeah. I know Moulin Rouge would have taken it that year and that's fair. Yeah. But a nomination, a yeah. simple nomination. Just for Parker Posey. Yes. <laughs> Best person to wear a costume. Oh my God. Yeah, she's stunning. She's uh, she's absolutely, uh, she's so beautiful and her clothes are so brilliant and she's so maniacal and I, d- I couldn't take my eyes off her. Like yeah. even when she was just like slightly in the background of any scene, I'm just like, God what you are incredible she's so good and the, like 
There's this moment at the label party where she comes down the stairs to a like a weird remix <laughs> of their song, like a jazz remix of their song, and then she's like, "Okay, let's let's go let's go be girls." And then she does this thing where she frames her face with the backs of her hands and crosses her arms, and people do that now. Like I've seen people do it's, that. Yeah, it's so a she, joke, obviously. But she, like, like she crosses over, she makes an X with her arms, and yeah. then puts her head in between her hands. Let's go be girls. Let's go be girls. Yeah. But then when she comes down the stairs, she's like, "I'm." Fiona, welcome to your party. <laughs> so, so funny. Good. And then the three girls, because they're like, well, jo- Josie really is like the straight man in that. And she's just like, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. Is, yeah. But then, hey, yeah, Josie, there's... How much do you weigh? Yeah. Well, and I found that, um, I was like, oh, this is very 2001, but not the, in a good the way. They weighed. Mm. Yeah, because it's funny because like it was a joke. It's mm. obviously like this joke about like the obsession with weight and the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But... They do say their weights, and I'm not gonna say it again because yeah. I don't want to ruin anyone's day. But it's like, oh wow, yeah, like it's a bit like when you the Bridget Jones moments where yes. she's nine stone two and she's freaking out or whatever. Yeah, it, it that that sort of took me. I think that's maybe the only the only moment that dates it. I I guess as well a speech impediment being used as like the butt of a joke. Yeah, and like dates um, the film. What's the, what is uh. Albinoism yes. as well It's like yeah. It's definitely a joke But Because I, I read Wyatt as gay Or or actually just sort of Like asexual Just like in love With the record industry Yes I don't think It's very much A Niles and Daphne Sort of thing Isn't it Yeah Of yeah. like he just He's obviously a gay man Who just adores This monster of a woman Who's yes. just the the pinnacle of glamour to him yeah <laughs> you know? but uh, yeah to me I, I guess I didn't know whether he wanted her or wanted to be her wow and we spend our whole lives figuring well, those things out this, <laughs> that's very true but yeah no she's she's incredible um there's the, who who else is in the film because like it feels like, oh Eugene Levy Eugene Levy hi I'm Eugene Levy and I'm an actor Stunning, amazing. And as well, satirizing the kind of the teen movie impulse of just getting random people in. Yes. And Eugene Levy had like obviously been in American Pie. So it's so a year that. previously. It's so clever of being It's just like, like, oh, we'll just roll someone, we'll roll a yeah. famous face past. Who will we get in? Eugene Levy's kind of hot right now. <laughs> and it's, it's, what's so fucking funny about that is that like the the sort of um the the uh, cynical take of like okay get someone from American Pie yes who's Tara Reid yeah right? yeah. with the idea they would be like oh yeah who else is big in American Pie <laughs> yeah. the dad poor Jason Biggs you know like, <laughs> just Biggs. uninvited to this party I know oh my yeah. god yeah, yeah. <sighs> there's so many funny things mm-hmm. we've talked about Missy Pyle you slept with him you slept with him she's stunning she's abs- she's really really hilarious and she's like very physically funny in the film she's always like just She's like sitting weird. Whenever yeah. she's like even in the background, she's just she's always like staring at someone with like dagger eyes. It's not even her scene, <gasps> or when, but she's giving it her all. The tiny character, the guy from the CIA or whatever from the feds, comes in and she gives this big speech about like whatever you guys, I'm perfect. And he comes in and just points at her. What the fuck is going on with her head? <laughs> There's a skunk on your head or something. Head. Oh, that's yeah. your hair. I'm sorry, but that's messed up. <laughs> yeah, the the government guy when when J- Josie is like the the government come in, she's like, oh, thank God you're here. They're yeah like controlling everybody with our music and the government's guy's like oh my god <laughs> which is like that's, that's crazy real, right <laughs> yeah. isn't it yeah. like oh that was a real thing a real thing yeah I think in like the the 60s I think they touched on it in like 
the Queen's Gambit a bit actually funnily enough yeah mm. in the 60s it was like cigarette adver- adverts and yeah um beer um and then obviously like in in the film there was the join the navy yes, or the yeah. join the army moment um which I mean the, and this film was you know Everything in the world is pre and post 9-11, but this came out in April, 9-11 happened in, in September. I love that. Everything in the world is pre and post 9-11. It is. Which like, is it's true. Like, yeah. yeah. Whenever you talk about anything, it's like, well, it was pre-9-11. Like, I, I, it was I, 1941. Yeah. It was pre-9-11. <laughs> you could bring any liquids on a plane. <laughs> like, that's how different the world wow. was. But yeah, like, there was, there's, uh, yeah, the, the join the, join the army moment mm-hmm. and the very overt wink to the camera of no we're not going to do it in music anymore we're going to control teenagers via films now yeah yeah and like they're just there's so there's so many different layers to that because this film is then you know as you said earlier like going on to sell teenage girls stuff yeah or universal pictures so it's like I don't know how far down does this satire go before it stops being satire I guess and it's like things the thing of it still being relevant as well even like like two years ago, there was this whole story about how um, the Conservative Party was banning anti-consumerist literature from oh, schools oh or anything that criticised capitalism kind of oh, thing. Dear. Like this goes, this thing of like, yeah, and well, anything is, you know, it, the, the, their informational video is very like, uh, what's good for the economy is good for America. Good for America. <laughs> and America's the most ass-kickingest country in the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, it, it also kind of pre it was a precursor to the whole Michael Bay shilling that all of his films mm. do like if you watch a Transformers film every two seconds you'll see you watch a Transformers film? yeah I've watched them <laughs> I, I've not all of them but like if you watch like the first Transformers film it's like watching Josie and the Pussycats when it comes to product placement mm. it is like disgusting wow. it's really really bad and like quite overt as well like somebody might like pick up something and be like or, or, or like they're they're using a piece of tech to track down a robot it's been a while <laughs> yeah. and it's like oh no use track this down a robot yeah you use this it's got like longer range blah, blah, blah. and, the, <laughs> oh and my they're God, like really? listing it. yeah yeah it's really bad it's Fuck. really really bad and the, and a lot of those kind of action movies have all that shit in it but it's it's fine it's fine it's fine because it's just a bit of fun it's supposed to be mindless blah blah, blah. and then when Josie and the Pussycats an actual intelligent film satirizes it beforehand people will be like no it's not clever because it's girls it's girls Girl stuff. <laughs> Girl time. Um, and it's weird. The thing about Parker Posey in this as well is that she had already proved that you could do satire where you care about people because that's mm. what those Christopher Guest movies are. Mm. Like Best in Show and A Mighty yeah. Wind in particular. Like I love Best in Show. I love it so much. But like also it's the silliest fucking movie ever. Yeah. Mm. But I still cry at the end. Yeah. Because... Eugene Levy has a like it's like a movie about a woman who's like a man who's overshadowed by his wife and he's a little guy and he gets to have his moment and he's 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 the sweetest man in the entire world I I would really like to meet Eugene Levy but I mean yeah that's but 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 that's the thing about satire like you can't if you have just pure satire Mm. you have Idiocracy, which is an an interesting yeah. film, but uh, like it's not an a good interesting film. text. It's not a good film because yeah. ev- like you don't care about anybody mm-hmm. because there's one straight man in in the center of a universe of bullshit and dumb people. Mm-hmm. But the straight man isn't 
we don't care about him really we mean straight man in the sense of like yeah he's like re- straight yeah and also, re- reacting and, and i think he's probably a straight man as well <laughs> i mean it's luke wilson <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean like luke wilson did a good job with that film and that film was like i think it is uh, it would be an interesting text to kind of mm-hmm. you know look at alongside jo- josie and the pussycats but what josie has is like it's not even in character development it's just mm. I don't know. It's 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 quite overt in that it's telling you a story. It's not teaching you a lesson. Yeah. It's like this is the story of a band who made it and gave like <laughs> at, at the end like just stripped away all of their you know product placement and whatever it is. And play a great until, fucking show. And told you like you should decide for yourself. It's okay yeah. if you like it. It's okay if you don't. And that message is a really good message to give young teenage girls. Yeah. Like that's a good that's a good strong message after an hour and a half or an hour and 40 minutes of kind of getting the impression that teenage girls are stupid and being controlled that's easily. So, it's so true because like to go back to that Roger Ebert review that like the only bit of the movie he liked was that bit at the beginning when the teenage girls are freaking out right mm. and like I, I, I keep bringing up Roger Ebert because he's one of those people who I actually do trust or he was yeah. and he was a great writer and, a, and he a, a sensitive critic and he gave he championed a lot of things that a lot of other people were poo-pooing just because it was fashionable mm. and so the fact that he didn't get this is very hurtful to me yeah Um. and uh yeah, he loves that sort of like oh, the, all all the dialogue of the kids screaming, and so I want I I just want to touch them. I don't care where. Yeah, I don't care. I don't when. care which one. <laughs> I don't care which one, and I don't care where. Yeah, that's great. And then the so. the, the guy there, he's like, yeah, I love them, like brothers, like, like brothers. <laughs> yeah, very very funny. It's so good. But like then it's as the movie goes on, those like batches of screaming girls come and go or whatever, mm. and the, throughout the film. But we we come to understand that they are the victims of something. They're yes. not just mindless teens who are mindless teens and let's laugh at the young people like yeah. they're victims of the whims of the controlling party yeah. you know of the adults of the adults in, yeah in, in, in the film and it's which is true <laughs> it's 100% true and yes teenagers are like they've got more malleable brains mm. and yes you, you know that that moment where when it's like teenagers have disposable income because they're babysitting and yeah. and it's like yeah okay they have a bit of disposable income and yes you can absolutely shape their future by what it is that you yeah. tell them is and isn't cool and the fact that it doesn't lean in on teenage girls are stupid but teenage girls are like you said like victims i think yeah. is really important yeah and it 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 means that the end moment, which I guess some people might think is a bit cheesy for a satirical film, it feels earned when, when Josie so says that. Do you know? Because the fake lesson, the one that everyone rolls their eyes at, is their, so their manager guy, who I can't remember the character's name. Yeah. And to be honest, like of all the zany characters, he's my least favourite. I kind of don't care when he's yeah. there. I'm yeah. like, he's fine, but I, I could do without him. If that character was gone and just Missy Pyle's character was the manager, that would yeah. have been great, I think. Yeah. But anyway, he sort of like does the whole like, I'm not what I wear. I'm not trends. I'm not what I wear. And he just keeps taking off his clothes and saying, I'm not what I wear. And it's such a, it's a satire of the kind of message you're expecting a film like this to give you. Because that's not the message. Because it's not the message. Yeah, because that's quite shallow and like, duh, also, you know? Yeah. But then having Josie on stage being saying, it's okay if you like, it's okay if you like it. And it's okay if you don't. Yeah, um, because it's not. That's, yeah, that's a worthwhile message to give to girls. Yeah, twice. because if you if if you in your film or your text or whatever it is that you're doing, tell teenage girls 
it doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter what they tell you is cool. Teenage girls are going to be like, okay, try being a fucking teenage yeah, girl. Yeah. It does matter what you wear. It does matter what you like. Being cool yeah. is important. I cried for two days when I was about 12 because my mom wouldn't buy me Skechers, red Skechers. Right, like, like it's, it's my, my, my mom bought me um, like knockoff Adidas that had like the four stripes on them. Yeah. Instead of three. And I was like, no. You've ruined I, I can't. Yeah. I can't go to school with these. Like this stuff is important. Like, yeah, and I, I don't rem- want I to remember be important. The, the four stripe. Yeah. I I remember that really clearly. I remember yeah. kids getting fucking bullied for that. Yeah. 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 Or like tipexing out what, one yeah. of the stripes or getting ones with two and drawing on an extra one. Like, we would love if this stuff doesn't matter. But yeah. it does, it does matter. So I guess the the, the message being like you're within this system mm-hmm. and you are getting marketed to from left, right and center and people are making millions if not billions of dollars mm-hmm. over t- teaching you what it is that you like. The The message being ignore it all is so yeah. stupid like because that's it's yeah. completely impossible to ignore it all and it's also taking a bit of fun and joy out of your teenage years yeah. and saying like oh don't follow trends following trends is great like it, I, yeah when you dig a trend yeah. ain't no finer feeling yeah like I, I was an emo for a bit when I was a teenager yeah. I was like I, I followed like loads of different trends that were definitely marketed towards me I loved Avril Lavigne found yourself within it I yeah. was yeah and, and you find people within it so it's not it's not a good message to kind of say ignore it all but it is a good message to say like just take what you like out of this yeah like there's all all of its bullshit and all of it's being shoved down your throat so just find the bits of it that you like and enjoy that yeah because you're going to be a grown-up soon and you're not going to like anything it's so (laughs) true I hadn't even really thought of that but it's it is really great and like even now where um I feel like you know we're obviously in such a hot take era or whatever it's Mm. like you some there's a kind of a scene or a fad or a thing that's happening whether it's like wellness or tiktok <laughs> rapidly running out of fucking steam but um there's always a, th- a thing that because like here's the reason why this thing you like is actually harmful and bad yes. and dangerous and then the sort of the, the people who are just so trying desperately to be ethical and you know do right by the world are yeah. get freak out and it's like it's okay to just take a couple of things from something that you like absolutely like the the, the kind of impulse that we have to like n- negate what it is that young people like yeah like ha- harry styles for example is a really good mm-hmm. example right now there is a, a huge cultural conversation about whether or not he should be quote unquote co-opting queer culture while mm-hmm. not coming out himself and then on the other side of the argument people are saying well do you really want to force somebody to come out if he is queer mm-hmm. and so on and it's just it muddies all of the water because it's just like ev- even having that conversation is distracting you from just enjoying the yeah. harry styles face and dancing and music and just being a, a absolutely yeah. gorgeous creature that you can just look at and enjoy <laughs> Like, okay. and there's like, too much you know, going on. These kids, let them look at him. Let them look at him. <laughs> just leave like, them alone. Not for me personally, but like, yeah. w- but um, the fact that every time you look at a Harry Styles tour poster, the person who's touring with him is like fucking Jenny Lewis or like yeah. someone or like... um, He's like really good friends with Stevie Nicks. Yeah, like he is... He like it, it doesn't matter if I don't like the music. He knows what he's doing. And yeah. He knows where he's coming yeah. from, and I think it's I, coming. From I like it. Harry Styles because I I'm not the biggest fan of his music. Yeah, I just really like him. 
Um, but he likes the same music I like. That's it. That's exactly that's what, what I'm trying I like to say. Yeah, he likes yeah. what I like. Yeah. 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 So it makes me think that we could be together forever. Actually. <laughs> together forever. <laughs> um, we should wind up, but like, what's the, um, what's your favorite song or bit of music on the album? Oh, on their, their, their big breakthrough song is, um, just just be nice is that what it's called pretend to be nice pretend to be nice mm-hmm. i i think that song is a masterpiece yeah like, I, I really think that that is a perfect pop song from start to finish like it's yeah. the the doo-doo-doos in it like the message of it it's 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 gorgeous i really love that song yeah. i was listening to it on the way here and i was like and that that sort of like whispered bridge is so good yeah you at least pretend to be nice like i would like all over it absolutely yeah. all over it like but all of the songs on it are great and i include Jour's songs oh yeah Backdoor Lover Backdoor Lover is stunning is absolutely stunning like it's it's great and then I think they have like a De jour around the world or something. Yes, is there other jour the world? De jour the world. <laughs> oh, is it like tour the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, all these See, years all later, learning. and I'm still getting the jokes. Um, but yeah, pretend, uh, pretend to be nice is my favorite. What about you? For me, it's got to be three small words. I, that's great because I think I uh, when I got an electric guitar because of this film, like an encore electric guitar from Argos. No, it was it was black, but it had um, a purple flower on the strap. Okay. You know, I really did yeah. feel like I could be Josie McCoy. Mm. Um, but I remember trying to play three small words and then realizing the pun in the song. The the come inside thing? Is no, that well, no, that it was not, not so much a pun, but the sort of device of the... Um, took six whole hours and five long days for all your lies to come undone. Mm-hmm. Those three small words were way too late for you to see that I'm the one. And then you're like, oh, oh she's God, counting backwards. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's stunning. Incredible! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. and like every person who worked on the music in this film, like, like, like there was obviously the the the, the people we mentioned. Uh, also, Babyface, uh, a producer, mm. also produced I think half of the soundtrack, and Adam produced the other half. Mm-hmm. But like he had worked with NSYNC, he had worked with the Backstreet yeah. Boys, but he'd also worked to kind of get that uh, late nineties, early two thousands like R and B sound as well. Mm. So I I think. I think it was him I I was reading that when he was brought in he was really excited to do it because he hadn't done like pop punk yet yeah. and it wasn't his sound and it wasn't him like satirizing his own sound he was just brought in it's like we need to make this sound like a hit how do we make it sound yeah. like a hit and they did there's not a song on this that isn't believable as an actual back, yeah. backdoor lover maybe like is, is yeah that feels like something a you'd bit see over in the line. get him to the Greek or something although yes. the songs in get him to the Greek are also fucking great yes yes Susie Key or what's her name um, Rose Byrne's character in get him to the Greek has those two great Song. Yeah, yeah. E- even They're in also um, about anal sex. <laughs> even in forgetting Sarah Marshall, the yeah, um, yeah. inside of you, like it's it's kind yes, of yes. that's kind of backdoor lover ish mm-hmm. in that it's a comedy song, mm-hmm. but all of Josie's songs are yeah. Even the ballad is really good. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is the song that turns her evil. Yeah. <laughs> in the bath, I've I fully thought like that the the Walkman that she had, which was beautiful I had about mm. 75 buttons disc on man. it like the, yeah. the disc man I thought that was going to fall into the bath and that's how she would have found it oh. out but the bath yeah. was just so superfluous to the plot I was just like why is she why was just she in the bath Rachel cook in the bath please. yeah it was still yeah. that like one for the dads yeah one for the dads I was so, looking yeah. at that disc man I was like why on earth would you need more than three buttons on a disc man you need play pause play pause to the same button and then skip. forward and back yeah <laughs> 
that's it. That's it. On and off, you just hold down play. It's fine. Like, what are all these these buttons? Like, I don't understand. Um, When she's evil Josie, I think it's like such a good performance. She's brilliant. Because she's like, she's got two lanes in this movie, right? She's kind of like wide eyed and like, does anyone think it's strange that this all happened Happened in a week? week? No! (laughs) Oh, I saw somebody, somebody like counted how much of the film was like screaming and it's close to 10% of the movie. Really? Is screaming. And there's a lot of screaming. There is a lot of screaming. Yeah. Yeah. I could have done with less of screaming. Like when the girls show up at their their hotel room and they're just screaming and screaming. I could have done with like, yeah, Yeah. like if that, I like that scene, but if Mm. it was like half as long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to to mention was the kind of the cool Janice Ian character who was like the nonconformist at the beginning. Yes. I really wanted more from her. Oh, totally. I wanted her breaking out of her like lobotomized sort of like control group. Yeah, because that was really sad and we don't actually see what happens. No, we don't see what happens to her. (laughs) You're like, okay. And the code word for her is smells like teen spirit. Yes. Yeah, which is great. I really liked her. I I, Because I I hadn't watched this film in years, I just had it in my head that she was going to be like Mm -hmm. a player or that she'd get in contact with Josie or something. Yeah. But no, not at all. No. Uh, it it felt like that whole scene in the record shop was like a sort of a play on Empire Records as well. Yeah. She was very a character from that world. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that whole scene is great. The um, we should buy red shoes or, or like now we should get orange shoes or mm. like I want to buy a six pack. You don't drink. I want to start. <laughs> like so funny and so overt. I do not understand how professional film critics didn't realize yeah. that this was a joke. Like it's from the moment me. he said put the Chevy to the levee they should have that's known it. what was happening yeah that's also I think the best joke in the, in the <laughs> it's in my favourite I think it's my favourite the Chevy to the levee yeah it's, it's, it's like great. there's like lots of like silly little moments that I love like just Terry and the coasters or whatever but yeah. in terms of like a joke joke I'm like but that's mm, yeah you can't beat yummy. that yeah. I, I saw when the when the three girls were doing three women were doing their, vic- <laughs> their victory tour so your face went so serious there <laughs> Three women. I was like, they're in their 50s or 40s or whatever. Um, um, I also think that whenever I see those like, oh, so-and-so reacting to something they did 20 years ago, Mm. I feel like it's very cruel to make them watch behind the scenes content of them being like really young. I was like, I would hate that. Yeah, no, I don't want to, I don't want to engage with myself five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Don't make her watch this. Um, But apparently a couple of years ago, Tara Reid tried to buy back the rights of Josie Bussiance because she thought that it was worth making a re- another one with them. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. What do we think that could be? Same cast, but it's women in their 40s slash 50s. Yeah. I mean, reunion tour. Um, yeah. And, but also they have to like do TikTok. They have to stuff. do Spawn. They have to do SpawnCon. Yeah. Um, Tara Reed's character has yeah and we, we have to go around and like get all like convince all of them to that like real come Muppets out of their movie life. sort of like yeah, convince, yeah oh I love those yeah scenes. so Rosario is living in like West Africa just has been volunteering for like oh, the yeah. past 20 years uh-huh. and she like runs a, a whole like humanitarian thing out yeah, there yeah. um Josie is married with babies and she doesn't want to come back yes she's married to the guy Alan M. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like pivoted to a Laura Marling place for a while and then it kind of sputtered out and yeah. is not doing that anymore. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Melody, they they really struggle to find her. <laughs> she, oh, yeah. she doesn't come into the movie until halfway through because they like, don't know where she is. Lives on a horse sanctuary. Yeah. In yeah. like the, really far away. The hills. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, yeah, they, they, they come back to do a reunion tour because they're all broke. 
Uh-huh. Um, and I feel and like get great cameos. One of their songs has become like a TikTok thing. Yes, kids yeah. are doing dances. Yeah. To one of the songs, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh well, my horse sanctuary like is really struggling right now, <laughs> so I could do with this money, guys, and so on." Yes. Um, or like the orphanage could do with money, so like the we, orphanage. We, we need to like you know fund the orphanage. Yeah, I'd, I'd and watch. Jo- and Josie just feels like I need one more shot to prove that I can be a rock star. Maybe her her guy. I just refuse to remember his name. Like Alan, Alan M. Alan M. Maybe he makes it after Josie. Oh. And then she's like, well, I was the star first. Yeah. And then she's kind of always bitter about it. Oh, that's good. Mm. But how do we keep it the original tone of the movie? Um, that's where so, the TikTok stuff okay, comes in. Like, so so what, uh, if, if the sort of like quote unquote problem they have is uh, subliminal messaging in their music to, mm-hmm. to drive up consumerist culture, what is the problem that musicians have now that they could be... Oh, working against the biggest problem right now for musicians is streaming. Yeah, so we'd have to get streaming into it somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they could use what they learned about subliminal messages and yes. put their own subliminal messages <gasps> into songs to get people to buy CDs to again. Buy CDs, and it's like buy Josie and the Pussycat CDs or LPs That's or whatever. Good. So they have to become the villain. Get in Bye touch, Tara Oh my God, that's good. We Get did it. Get in touch with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. Yeah. I think great, great script. I mean, Call us, Tara. I mean, you don't have to make it, but you can at least pay us to write a script. Yeah, you know? yeah, we'll do it. Uh, I'm free. But um, okay, Andrea Clara, you are a music journalist and podcaster. Tell us what you do. Um, I have a podcast called My Favourite Album with Andrea Cleary. It is out uh, now. Mm-hmm. Um, season one is out and season two is currently happening. In session. Yeah. In, in session. Uh, Caroline will be on it soon oh, uh, to yay. talk about Fight Like Apes, which is a gorgeous episode. I love that. And you can find me uh Twitter, you Instagram, Andre Cleary underscore, I think. Um, and that's where my other stuff will be. I guess. Yeah. That's Thank me. you, Andre. It's been Thank great. You. Thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you. This has been Sentimental Garbage, and I've been Caroline O'Donoghue. The podcast was produced and edited by me with mix and music by Harry Harris and artwork by Gavin Day. If you'd like to email me about the pod, you can do so on sentimentalpod at gmail.com or get in touch with me directly on Twitter or Instagram at Zaraline. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com